I am in an undisclosed secret location, but this fire was too cool, so I gotta include it in the video. I wanna to talk to you about giving up your life. Many times people think that surrender sounds like a softer, easier, more passive way, and that it's in contrast with the need for resilience and persistence and the willingness to grind it out, but actually that's dead wrong. The kind of surrender that we're called to that I want to be called to and invite you to today is actually the most difficult battle you will ever fight. And it will take more of your resources. It will take more courage, more persistence, more diligence than any self-centered, self-aggrandizing path you could go down. In Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard talks about how we all have this tendency to want to approach God on our terms. God, I'd like to have the kind of life that I want, the kind of success that I want, the kind of story, the kind of health, the kind of family, the kind of money that I want. I just want a little help from you. But God cannot be approached on these terms. Dallas writes on page 243. Now, being a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus cannot be negotiated on the basis of trying to get whatever it is that you want. Rather, becoming a disciple is a matter of giving up your life if you have understood it to that point. Without that giving up, you cannot be his disciple because you will still think you are in charge and just need a little help from Jesus for your project for a successful life. But our idea of our successful life is precisely our problem. And so surrender to give up your little life, your little project, is not the easy way, it's not the soft way, it's not the passive way, it's the hard way. It is the way of what Frederick Buechner in one of the great sermons of the 20th century called the magnificent defeat. He wove that, and I wanna weave these few moments together around a story about a man named Jacob in Genesis. So just listen to this story. It is towards the end of Jacob's journey. And I'll start in with the text and then walk back through it. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man said, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. 
The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. It is a strange story, Frederick Buechner says in The Magnificent Defeat. And often, if we listen to the Bible think we're, thinking we're going to get a tidy little story about being good and kind and nice and honest, we miss what it is that the story is actually telling us. In this one, Jacob is not a particularly admirable character throughout. As you may know, if you know his story, he duped his brother Esau into exchanging his birthright for basically a bowl of lentil soup. And nobody feels terribly sorry for Esau in the story because Esau seems to have been a bit of a fool. And Jacob also deceives his father. Isaac by then is an old man in a tent in the dark because he could no longer see well. And in a bit of work that he has yet to do before he exits this life, he used to give his blessing to his son, and he intends to give it to Esau, the older. But instead, Jacob, conniving with his mother who favored him, fools the old man, dresses up like, smells like, pretends to be Esau, and dupes his father into giving him a blessing. And then he goes away for a long time. And Buechner says, now, we would expect at this point for the story to tell us that Jacob's conscience is touched, that he feels guilty, that he decides to be a different man, and then we would get it. But that's not what the story says. Buechner says, we expect it to tell us that honesty is the best policy, but Jacob is not a very honest guy. And Buechner says, so we need to recognize dishonesty is not a bad policy either. Not the kind that lands you in jail, but people who are willing to bend the truth a little bit, who are willing to manipulate, who are willing to game the system to try to get what it is they, they want, they generally come out all right. Very often in this world, the Jacobs do okay. As far as Esau's go, there's a sucker that comes along every minute. You don't have to really worry about giving them an even break. And their world is full of Isaacs who will love us no matter what we do. And so Jacob goes on and his life appears to be getting him what it is that he wants. And after many, many years, Buechner writes, and this is from his sermon that I wanted you to hear. When he reaches the river Jabbok, which is all that stands between him and the promised land, he sends his family and servants across ahead. But he remains behind to spend the night on the near shore alone. One wonders why. Maybe in order to savor to the, to the fullest this moment of great achievement, this moment for which all his earlier moments have been preparing and from which only a river separates him now. And then it happens. Out of the deep of the night, a stranger leaps. He hurls himself at Jacob. They fall to the ground, their bodies lashing through the darkness. It is terrible enough not to see the attacker's face, and his strength is more terrible still, the strength of more than a man. All the night they struggle in silence until just before morning, when it looks as though a miracle might happen. Jacob is winning. The stranger cries out to be set free before the sun. Then suddenly all is reversed. He merely touches the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And in a moment, Jacob is lying there crippled and helpless. The sense we have which Jacob must have had, that the whole battle was from the beginning fated to end this way, that the stranger had simply held back until now, letting Jacob exert all his strength and almost win, so that when he was defeated, he would know that he was truly defeated, 
so that he would know that not all the shrewdness, will, brute force he could muster were enough to get this. Jacob will not release his grip. Only now it is a grip, not of violence, but of need. Like the grip of a dying man, of a drowning man. The darkness has faded just enough so that for the first time he can dimly see his opponent's face. And what he sees is something more terrible than the face of death. It is the face of love. It is vast and strong, half ruined with suffering and fierce with joy. The face of a man flees down all the darkness of his days until at last he cries out, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Not a blessing that he can have now by the strength of his cunning or the force of his will, but a blessing he can have only as a gift. Power, success, happiness, as the world knows them, are his who will fight for them hard enough. But peace, love, joy are only from God. And God is the enemy who Jacob fought there by the river, of course, and whom in one way or another we all of us fight. God, the beloved enemy. Our enemy because, before giving us everything, he demands of us everything. Before giving us life, he demands our lives, ourselves, our wills, our treasures. If you will follow Jesus, you must give up. That is not a soft, easy way. Will we give them up, you and I? I do not know. Only remember the last glimpse that we have of Jacob, limping home against the great conflagration of the dawn. Remember Jesus of Nazareth, staggering on broken feet out of the tomb toward the resurrection, bearing on his body the proud insignia of the defeat which is victory, the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God. Give it up. Let it go. It is the magnificent defeat. See you next time.